1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, please open your Bible there today. I'm speaking on the topic, keeping your vision clear. Now, this is kind of one of those little uh, random things I'm throwing in today, but nevertheless, is a good springboard for the direction we're going. Uh, one of the little things we noticed when we were in Trinidad in this missions trip, uh, this may sound really strange. Now, for you, those of you who don't wear glasses, it's not a big deal for me to say this, but for those of you who wear glasses, you'll get it. One thing we noticed was that our glasses in Trinidad seldom need, needed to be cleaned. Matter of fact, I think I might have cleaned my glasses once, maybe twice the entire time I was there. When we are here at home, we need to clean them at least once a day. And uh, it's because of all the stuff that's in the air, all the pollen and the dust and, and everything. Now, if you, if you don't clean your glasses here, you don't know how dirty they are until you do clean your glasses, right? You know what I'm saying, how that is. Oh, wow, this is great, you know, after you've cleaned them. But because over time, what happens? Over time, they get dirty. Over time, there's a little bit more buildup, 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 buildup. And you're, you're, you can see, but you're not seeing clearly like uh, you know you want to. Now, what does this have to do with? Well, this has to do with our physical vision, okay? How we are seeing things in the physical realm. Well, with that in mind, as most of you know, we just returned from a great trip in uh, Trinidad, and uh, Trinidad is an island off the north part of South America. I was invited to teach the book of Revelation this last week, and uh, all 22 chapters, which is quite the task. It was very challenging. It was very intense for me. It's probably one of the most challenging things I've ever done. Uh, it was a unique experience to cover such an amazing book as the book of Revelation in 13 and a half hours and yet uh, not race through it. What happens when you do that, and I'm sure it was this way for those in the class as well, we had between 45, 50 students at the seminary extension. What happens is you get a perspective on the book that is unlike any other. You know, it's one thing to read a chapter a day, which is great, by the way, and I recommend you read it, but it's another thing to intensely study it for 13 and a half hours basically not studying anything else, but just keeping the focus there. It gives you a unique perspective. Now, we were with Dr. Ron Citron from the Solid Rock Theological Seminary. They have an extension there. That's where we went. And also Dr. Burbel Boudrum. He's the pastor of Kelly Community Bible Church. He's, uh, both of them are alumni from Florida Bible College. Uh, we weren't at school at the same time. Of course, I came much later. These men are much older than I am. <laughs> But, um, uh, but nevertheless, um, Kelly Community Bible Church also has Trinity Bible Institute there. And so the seminary extension is basically it's what comes next after the institute, the Bible Institute. And so they're all there, okay? They don't have these, uh, it's not like a sprawling modern facility. It's, it's very conservative, very humble. The building where I did all my teaching, it's about 10 steps away from the church itself there, Kelly Community Bible Church, all on the same property. It was a privilege to be with these men. Uh, we spent a lot of time, of course, Dr. Citron was our host. We spent a lot of time in his home and a lot of fellowship, sweet fellowship, talking about Bible things and, and, and all of that. Both of these men are fellow alumni from FBC, as I mentioned. Both have been faithful to the gospel 
for many decades. They have stayed true to the faith. They have not wavered from the gospel. They have not messed it up in any way. They haven't front-loaded. They haven't back-loaded the gospel. It's been the same. We are completely like-minded on these things. And so that is a great, great blessing. But in going through Revelation, several truths were impressed on my mind, and one in particular, one in particular, and that's what I want to focus on today, no pun intended. Here it is. Are we seeing life the same way as God sees it? Are we seeing our lives the same way as God sees it? Now, folks, That may sound like a simple question, but it is incredibly profound and will have an impact on your, not only your life here, but it's going to have an impact on the quality of your eternity as well. The blessings, the rewards, the privileges that you have on into eternity and particularly in the kingdom age, the millennial reign of Christ. And so I want to touch on four main issues today. Number one is this, and and with this in mind, are we seeing life the same way as God sees it? See, we have to keep our vision clear and see as God sees things. Number one is this, the time is short, all right? God wants us to see that. The time is short. Dean and I just touched on that. He didn't know that this is where we were going today, but he was saying how encouraged he is right when we had our meet and greet time, how encouraged he is to see the signs of the time and all the things going on in the world because they tell us the time is short. They tell us that Jesus, we're going to see Jesus again, all right? And uh, we're going to see him at the rapture. And when, when is the rapture? It could take place at any moment. It is seen in scripture as an imminent event. That means at any moment, it could take place. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty one. it says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. Okay? The time is short. In that, the rapture is imminent. Jesus could come back at any moment. Saints, listen. This is not science fiction. This is not theory. This is fact. And the more we look at it, the more we study the word of God, the more we see that the Bible teaches a pre-tribulational rapture, okay? I remember years ago, we, we had to make some decisions. Now, the decisions had already been made by our statement of faith, but I can remember there are people who wanted to be members of our church, and their hang-up was this issue with pre-tribulational rapture, and that that was part of our statement of faith, that a lot of people don't want that to be part of the statement of faith, because they see that as, as a not significant thing that we have to agree on. It is significant. The rapture of the church is a powerful motivator and is an effective truth having to do with the lives we live as believers today. And not only that, but it's clearly taught in scripture. First Corinthians 15, 51 and 52 tell us that the rapture could take place at any moment. Okay. So the rapture is imminent. The time is short. Do you see your life that way? Do you see your life that Jesus is coming very soon? The time is short and you need to be ready for him. All right, if you've never trusted Christ the Savior, you need to put your faith in him because you do not want to be left behind. More about that in our next point, which is 
under the time is short. The tribulation that follows the rapture is just around the corner. Now, the signs I talk about are signs for this coming tribulation period, the day of the Lord, all right? They're not signs for the rapture because that's an imminent event that could take place at any moment. However, if the rapture is before the tribulation, then certainly we should be ready for the rapture because the world, whether they know it or not, whether they want to say it or not, whether they believe it or not, the world is getting lined up for this coming tribulation period. The tribulation will be And this is one of the things I took away from, and I knew these, but when you study these hour after hour, day after day, they start registering in your mind and in your soul, excuse me, in a new, fresh way. The tribulation will be horrific, a horrific seven-year period of time, unprecedented in global disasters and suffering, and it will be a worldwide thing. No respect of nation or persons. Everybody will be dealing with it. Everybody will be dealing with it. The majority, listen, during this coming tribulation, the majority of mankind is going to die. The majority of mankind, okay? I don't know the exact numbers, what's left over. Some people have done the math. I'm going to, uh, something tells me it's like 1.5 billion will be left on the planet, The world and mankind will come close to total annihilation. That's not hyperbole, that's Bible. God has spoken. It will come to pass the way he says. Total annihilation, not there, but almost. The only thing that will stop total annihilation will be the return of Jesus Christ to earth at the end of the tribulation period at what we would call his second coming. Go with me over to Mark chapter 13. Jesus giving here, this is Mark's account of the Olivet Discourse. Now you might say, what is that, a meal at Olive Garden or what is the Olivet Discourse? Well, no, the Olivet Discourse, that's a fancy, elegant name for a a section of teaching that Jesus gave. It was close to when he was going to suffer for our sins and die on Calvary, all right? And he was there the apostles, the disciples asked them, you know, what are the signs of that you're coming and so forth like that. He gave this to them. He was on the Mount of Olives, okay, just east of Jerusalem there. And it's a discourse, it's a talk. So it's a talk he gave on the Mount of Olives. There you go, that's the Olivet Discourse. Aren't you glad you came today? You've got that done. When you read that in a book, you'll know what it's talking about. Mark 13, 19, it says, for in those days, referring to the tribulation period, in those days shall be affliction such as was not from the beginning of the creation which God created. Unto this time neither shall be. In other words, there's never been anything like it. There will never be anything like it afterwards. Verse 20. And except the Lord had shortened those days. In other words, seven years. Only seven years. Look at this. No flesh should be saved. No human life would be left. But for the elect's sake, for the believers whom he hath chosen, he hath shortened the days. 
But all those folks who have trusted Jesus Christ alone as Savior are going to be called out of the world before that period begins. Nevertheless, it is a fact. The time is short. The rapture is imminent. The tribulation is just around the corner. Are we seeing as God does? Is our vision clear? Are we getting this? Or are we letting other things dust up our lenses, so to speak, to where we are becoming uh, nonchalant about this? It's not a big deal. We'll just keep going on. We'll keep our focus on stuff, so to speak. Secondly, are we seeing things clearly? Number two, the need is great. So the rapture, or excuse me, the time is short. The time is short. Everything in this world, folks, is going to change when the rapture takes place. I used to wonder, okay, is it going to be, is it going to affect the world in a big way, in a minor way, in a medium way? How's this going to be? The more I go on, the more I study scripture, the more I think about things, I believe with all my heart, the world is going to be a radically different place after the rapture takes place. Now, it may not be, things will be shaken up quite well right after the rapture, But what's coming shortly after the rapture, it is going to be unbelievable in this world, okay? The need is great. You see, there are two groups in the world, the saved and the lost. Has nothing to do with your color. Has nothing to do with the nation you come from. Has nothing to do with the many variables in religion. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ. Once the tribulation progresses, the main thing on people's minds will be survival. Survival. Now, if you question that, I want you to read Revelation 6 through 19, and you'll see it very clearly. Toys, the latest electronics, the condition of our lawns, although ours looks great right now, it should go away more often. A new boat, a new car, new clothes, none of that will matter during the tribulation period. It's, well, I don't know about it. Read Revelation 6 through Revelation 19. One of the, I think it was either the last night or one of the last nights I had one of the men come up in the, in the class and he said, um, you know, all those things and all the things we've covered, uh, and, it's a good, and it's a common thing that we hear from time to time. You know, have you ever wondered, should we take these things literally or should we see them as figuratively speaking or this or that? And just by the words he was using, I was getting a little bit of an impression. I could be wrong, but I was getting the impression of, is it really going to be as bad with some of the things that Revelation tells us as it says. It's really going to be that. I said, look, I said, one of the fundamental laws of Bible interpretation, you take it literally unless there's something in the context that gives you reason not to take it literally. You take it literally. Let me tell you something, folks. When we stand before the Lord, especially those of us who are preachers, when we stand before the Lord, if there was something figurative that we took literally, I really don't think God is going to get on our case about it. Because the natural interpretation of Scripture is you take it literally. You believe what it says, okay? Heaven is heaven. 
Hell is hell. The tribulation is the tribulation. The judgments being poured out are judgments that are going to be poured out, okay? They don't refer to, you know, a change in the political parties or this kind of stuff that people write about nowadays or, or well, you know, that means these, it's kind of like they'll, they'll teach you, well, the, the, uh, the, the thrust of the book of Revelation, it all has to do with figurative language having to do with politics. No, no. It has to do with the judgment of God being poured out on a rebellious world and Jesus Christ coming back to claim the world as his own and he is going to rule and reign just like he said. You can believe what it said. None of the stuff we are concerned about today will matter. Now listen, we are having an awesome year as Twins fans, right? I mean, this is good. Enjoy it while you can. And I hope that it goes on, and I hope they go to not only the World Series, I hope they win it. That would be great. But as much as I'm enjoying myself as a baseball fan and a Twins fan, it doesn't matter. It's a game. I have a hard time believing you're even going to have competitive sports in the tribulation. You see what I'm saying? Now, folks, this is the issue that we need to be concerned with. Let me ask you a question. Where are you going when you die? That's what you need to be thinking about. Where are you going when you die? Wherever you go, it will be forever. According to the Bible, there are only two destinies. One is heaven. The other is hell. There is no purgatory. That's made up. It's nowhere in the Bible. It's made up. Man needs a payment for his sin because he is a sinner. He needs a savior. God has provided both a payment and a savior through Jesus Christ. The message of what he has done for us is called the gospel. That's what it is. And the word means good news. Let me, let me explain this to you today. Watch this, please. This hand were to represent you and me and my wallet were to represent our sin. Here we are. We're all sinners. All of us are sinners, including me. Yet God loves us. He hates our sin. To get to heaven, you have to have all your sin gone. It all has to be gone. If you die with your sin, you will be punished forever in a literal fire-burning hell. It's an awful thought, but that is what the Bible teaches. Okay? If you die with your sin, you'll be lost forever in hell. Heaven's a perfect place. You have to be perfect to get there. None of us are. Now, most religions will teach you that the way you get rid of your sin is by doing good deeds, good works of one kind or another, maybe becoming a member of the church, keeping the commandments, being a good neighbor, good husband, wife, mom, dad, doing penance, doing sacraments, doing ordinances, all these different things. All of them, by the way, have to do with good works. And by the way, every religion in the world has to do with trying to earn your way to heaven. This will be the common thread of the one world religion during the tribulation period. Human potential, human goodness, human ability. God says no. You have to be perfect to get to heaven. You are not, therefore you're disqualified. Because there's nothing we could do to save ourselves, God himself came. God the Father sent the Son. God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the world. And when Jesus died on the cross, he took all of our sin And he took it on himself. He made the payment so we don't have to. He paid it all so there's nothing left. And he rose from the grave to prove it. And the Bible tells us if we will put our faith in Jesus Christ that he made that payment for us. In other words, you're trusting him to get you to heaven. 
He will give you that moment as a free gift, everlasting life. He says he'll never lose you. He'll never cast you out. So let me ask you, where are you going when you die? You might say, I hope I'm going to heaven. You can be sure. Put your trust today in Jesus Christ right now. If you do that, Jesus said this, verily, verily, that means truly. I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath, has everlasting life. The moment you trust in him, he gives you the gift of eternal life. He'll never lose you. He'll never cast you out. This is the good news. The good news, not that we're sinners. That's bad news. The good news is God has provided a payment for our sin. So we don't have to pay for it. And Jesus did it. And when we trust in him, he gives us eternal life. Turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. People say, well, why hasn't Jesus come back? You know, 2 Peter 3, right at the beginning, it says, in the last days, scoffers. The world will have scoffers. Where's the promise of his coming? For things continue the same as they were since the beginning. You Christians, you've been saying this for 2,000 years. You sound like a broken record. You're a bunch of loonies. No, friend? He is coming back. And the only reason he hasn't come back is because he's giving the world more time to put their faith in Jesus Christ before he says, that's it, I'm taking my children out and I'm going to pour my judgment upon the earth. That's what the tribulation period is about. God is being merciful, God is being patient. Second Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, the promise of his, of his second coming. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but as long-suffering, okay? He's not dragging his feet. He's being patient. He's long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. What is that repentance? It's It's a change of mind. It's a change in your thinking, okay? You come to understand you're a sinner. You can't save yourself. And you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the Savior. When a person understands the gospel and trusts Christ, the Savior, they have repented. They've had a change of mind because they never would have trusted Christ if they still believed they could earn it. So repentance in salvation is you having a change in your thinking, having a change of mind. That is what the word means. Metanoia, it's a compound word, okay? Meta is to change, and noia is the mind, to change the mind. It's what it means, okay? These people say, well, it's, it's more than that. No, it's not more than that. It's not more than that. Well, if you've really had a change of mind, your, your, your life will change. No, the two things are different. The two things are different. Certainly once we're saved, our lives should change, all right? But that's not a condition. You can't, you're adding works to the gospel when you put all this other stuff on top of it. Jesus said, he that believeth on me has everlasting life. What is it we don't understand about that? If, if that's what it takes, then you add anything to it and you're adding something to what it takes. And that is a false gospel. Jesus has not come back yet because he wants more people to be saved before this day of the Lord comes. Go with me to John 3. John chapter 3. So what do we see? Seeing things clearly as God does. Do we see things as God sees it? One, he wants us to understand. He wants us to see that the time is short. Secondly, he wants us to understand, folks, that the need is great. Why? 
Because if you remain lost and you die in that condition, you have no second chances. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, it's you and me, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, it's open to anyone, that whosoever believeth in him, that doesn't, you simply mean you believe he exists, you're trusting in him as your savior. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He came to rescue us, not to condemn us. We're already condemned. We need a savior. He that believeth on him is not condemned. There you go. But he that believeth not, look at the language. See, this is the need being great. He that believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 36, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God, the indignation of God abides right now on him. The need is great. If you've not trusted Christ, you're condemned already. If you've not trusted Christ, the wrath of God is abiding on you. It's like a, it's like a lightning or it's like a thundercloud above your head waiting to explode. If you die without Christ, from that moment forever, you experience the wrath of God. The need is great. See here, folks, if the truth of the gospel is worth believing, it is also worth sharing If it's worth believing, it's worth sharing. Wouldn't you agree? What in this world could be more important than that? This points to the practical purpose of why we are left here, which is the will of God. Number three, the will of God is clear. Do we see clearly? Do we have too much dust on our lenses to where we're not seeing the way things really are? The will of God is clear. Salvation is a free gift. It cannot be earned. But the Lord has called all of us who are saved to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Salvation and discipleship are not the same. Okay? Salvation is free. Discipleship will cost you a life of turning your back on the things of the world and living your life for Christ. It's not a requirement for heaven, but it is the will of God for his children. He's looking for believers who will invest their lives in service for Christ and the gospel. Time marches on, and folks, listen, we are not getting any younger. And by the way, that goes for the young people. See, there's something interesting about youth. Young people, they all want to grow up. Yeah, the thing is, though, this, as you grow up, you're getting older. And one day when you become an adult, and you've had all the privileges, quote-unquote, of being an adult then by the time you come to realize that, you'll understand you're getting older. And you can't stop it. Oh no, I can stop it. I'm going to take, you know, I'm going to watch 15 videos from Jack LaLanne. Some of you remember Jack LaLanne. (laughs) Now he did last a long time, but you know what? He's dead. And no amount of organic smoothies (laughs) is going to save your life. Oh no, 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 no. I will beat death. No, you won't. Taking care of yourself has to do with you having a body that functions well while you are alive, but you will check out when God says it's checkout day. He may take you in a perfectly healthy body. Did you know that? Didn't mean to ruin your day today, but 
That is the truth of it. Does he want us to take care? Yeah, just like a car. You want to take care of your car so it runs well, so it gives you good service. Do you know what? Your car could be gone in a second. Perfectly good car. So for those of you who are healthy people, take care of your bodies, yes. Am I saying don't eat oatmeal in the morning? No, eat oatmeal, okay? Arnie should have been with the Lord a long time ago, but God can't get him, God can't get him to heaven. He just keeps eating oatmeal. I, major frustration for God. No, that's, that's a joke. I had to say it. Every time oatmeal comes up, I have to say that. So that's why I put that in. Where is he? Is he in here? In the office. Okay, sorry, Arn. Look with me over to Matthew 4. Matthew 4. See, God is looking for believers who will invest their lives in service for Christ and the gospel. If this is worth believing, it is worth sharing. If this is as serious as the Bible says it is, then it is worth it affecting our lives for the rest of our lives. Now, let me say this today. You may be a believer and maybe you haven't lived your life for Christ up to this point. The old saying, there's no use crying over spilled milk, okay? We can change, though, what we do for the rest of our lives. And that is certainly better than continuing on in indifference and carnality. Time marches on. Before we know it, we will have lived out most of our lives. What will we have to show for it? God wants us thinking. God wants us to see clearly. All right? The will of God is clear. He wants us to live for him as Christians. What will we have to show for it? I'm not here to judge other people. We're responsible for ourselves. You have to decide. Am I living my life for what matters. Matthew 4.18, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the seas, for they were fishers. They were professionals. This was their occupation. Jesus didn't say, oh, you guys, what you're doing doesn't matter. He didn't say that. What he did was he called them to something that was so incredibly significant and powerful and life-changing Verse 19, and he saith unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They had a decision. Verse 20, and they straightway left their nets and followed him. By the way, John did, John and James did the same thing. Here's the thing. Live your life for something that will outlast it. And parents, listen, teach your children to do the same. Teach your children to give their lives to significance. Now listen, if if God wants them in a secular field, I'm not saying they can't do that. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying though is this. Let us understand the purpose of life. The purpose of life, it is to make money as a secondary thing. God will provide for the child of God who follows Christ. God will provide what you need. You know, well, you're saying I shouldn't provide for my family. No, I'm not saying that. But number one, God is the provider. He'll provide the work needed. What I'm saying, though, is this. You know what, folks? We can get so obsessed with occupation and money and income and this and that that we end up not giving our lives or or accomplishing what God wanted us to accomplish in the first place. Are we seeing clearly? Clearly. 
God's purpose is clear in Scripture, but it gets clouded by the stuff of this life. The dust on the lenses make it to where we don't see the way we should. Number four, are we seeing clearly? Okay, if you're a Christian, let me ask you today, just let me ask you, what are you living your life for? It may not seem important to you now, but it will when we get to heaven and heaven is forever. God does not change his purpose for our lives because of circumstances we're in. He's told us the truth. He says, this is what I want you to give your life to. Okay? Now you can use wherever you find yourself, because we need to bloom where we're planted. You can use wherever you find yourself, but use it for this purpose. The words of Jesus are challenging. Turn, we're in chapter uh, Matthew 4. Turn with me over to uh, Matthew 6. Matthew 4, go to chapter 6. Notice what it says in verse 19. Jesus' words, these are challenging words. He's saying, I want you to see like I do. I want you to have the perspective. I want you to have the value system that I do. What is it, Lord? Here it is. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. All those things are changing. All those things are temporary. That's not where our heads are supposed to be. Verse 20, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now, folks, has it ever occurred to us that the thieves and the robbers and the crooks and the rust can't get to them because they're in heaven? They're as safeguarded as safe could be. And so he wants us to lay up treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The treasures in heaven, that speaks of rewards we can earn by faithfully living our lives for Christ. As we faithfully live for the Lord, and listen folks, it's everything we do for him. We're going to be rewarded for that. That's, that's racking it up, you might say. I'm, that's maybe a crude way to put it. But it's racking it up. For those of you who like to play pinball, you get it. You love to hear the ding, 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 ding. Woo, man, look at all the points. Look at all the points. Friend, as a believer, you live your life for Jesus Christ. Live your life for the gospel, reaching others, living the way we should. And God says, you're sending it ahead. This is an investment. And by the way, As we serve the Lord, we get blessed now, and then we get blessed when we get to heaven. If as believers we don't live for Christ, we rob ourselves of the blessings now, and we rob ourselves of what we could have had. Oh, we'll be in heaven. If if you've trusted Christ and you don't live your life for Christ, yeah, you'll make it to heaven. You just have not much of anything to show for it. That would be sad when God has so much he wants us to have. We will only be here for several decades. To invest our lives in things that don't matter is foolish. Bigger house, bigger boat, bigger car, fancier car. All right? Why? Why? All that takes time because all that takes money. And to get the money, you have to invest the time. So we get more and more time to stuff. See, we live in a country of materialism. By the way, that's killing us in America. To invest our lives in that which is eternal is exactly that, and that is wise. We, are, we will be blessed now and also in heaven. Now, now let, me, let me say in closing today, 
couple things. One is this. Let's say you are living your life that way. I, we were reminded, uh, I know being with Dr. Citron, Dr. Boudram. Now, there's many other, others who are like this, okay? I'm not saying just them. But nevertheless, these are people, who are, they're acquaintances with us, and yet as time goes on, you know, they're, they're better friends. Dr. Boudram, he was uh, uh, born and raised there in, in the area where he's at. Got saved, went to Florida Bible College, went four years to FBC. He decided, I'm going back home, and I'm going to start a work there. No support promised. That's what he was going to do. He's going to go back home and start a work. Do you have any comprehension, folks? Uh, we do here, but you have any comprehension what it's like to go where there's nothing, and over time you have something? It's a wonderful testimony to the grace of God. But now he's got this blessed ministry. Yesterday, they were celebrating his 70th birthday yesterday there, and they were expecting, now their church isn't this big, but he's so well known in the community. His name in the community, this is, this is what they call him, his name is Rev. Everybody, the shopkeepers, the mechanics, everybody in the whole community calls him Rev because of the impact the church has had in the area. And this celebration yesterday, okay, it was just basically a, a celebration for his 70th birthday. They were expecting over 350 people. This is not a big area. It's not a big church, but it's a profound impact. Now, you know what? It's, it's the grace of God. It's him simply cooperating and saying, I'm going to invest my life in this. And it's a wonderful talks about this. And you think back, men who have been in the ministry for so long, who have served the Lord for so long. And again, it's not just them. We've got, we know people all over the world who are this way. If you ask them, well, has it been worth it? Now, you don't ask them, has it been easy? They'd say, no, hasn't been easy. Has it been worth it? Yes, it's been worth it. You know what? That's there for you and me. The opportunity's there. So, if you're on track and you are living that way, that's the way you're living your life. That's, what's, that's the driver of your decision, the decisions you're making in your life. Then keep at it. Keep at it. Good for you. But if you're not living that way, friend, then today is the day to repent, to have a change of mind, a change in your thinking, okay? To confess that failure to God, being honest with him about it. Take some time to do some real soul searching, okay? Are you more impressed with the world than you are with the claims of Christ? It's a bad place to be as a Christian, you're in for trouble. And then commit to changes that need to be made and then change. If you, I'm talking to believers now. Those who live for Christ that will have no regrets in the end. No regrets. Let's close over in Ephesians chapter 2. You might be here today and you've never even trusted Christ as Savior. Maybe you've been religious. Maybe you've tried to be good, but you know that's coming up short. Maybe you've never understood until today that salvation is a gift. Bought and paid for through Christ. And the only way you get to heaven is by putting your faith in Jesus Christ, that he died and paid for your sins and rose from the grave. I want to encourage you today, friend, and whether you go on for Christ or not as far as the way you live your life, I want to encourage you to take the free gift of salvation that God is offering you 
okay? It is the only way you can escape an eternity of suffering is by trusting in Christ. Very serious. This is very serious. This is the need of the hour, all right? The time is short. The need is great. The will of God is clear. The question is this, are we seeing clearly? Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.